You turn again to that portion we read together in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 8. Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. And we read in verse 10. And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. Now, Ecclesiastes, uh, in many ways, is a mysterious book. It is not a book that is the easiest to read, like you would read other narratives. It is, of course, we are told, authored by Solomon. And Solomon much comes across in the book of him telling us about trying to find satisfaction in many things in uh, this world. I mean, an example is in verse 15. They commanded mirth because a man has no bathing on the sun and to eat and to drink and be merry and so on. And again, at the end of it all, he was able to say that even that and all else was vanity. And so it brings this before us time and time again. And while it is not a book that flows, as I said, easily for reading as a narrative, there are gems in it, not just in particular one verse, but quite often also a bit like Proverbs in some ways, that there are sections in it that stand on their own and speak very clearly to us. But I suppose if you want to think about in this way, what is the center of it all? At the center of it all is the great question, what is life all about? What is life all about for Solomon? What is life all about for you and I? That's the great question, friends, at the end of the day, is it not? And the book often brings before us views of the lives of the godly and the ungodly, the contrast that is often found there. And we see in it his own view, as we said, and the ultimate conclusion of the futility and vanity of seeking after earthly satisfaction as an end in themselves, and ultimately points to God and trust in God as the one who is the ultimate source of all good that man should seek after. But here I think that it is quite clear, this picture that we have here at verse 10, maybe to 13. Wicked, I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil, though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days prolong, so on. And that's a picture for us there of something that's familiar. And I think that tonight I would like us to consider in a very simple way here, this verse 10, I saw the wicked body to have come and gone from the place of the holy and so on. And to consider it in this way, here we have brought before us a funeral. And it's a funeral of an ungodly 
man. And to look at it as we would ourselves to consider a funeral, even in our own day. There's a funeral, there's a man obviously who had died, and he'll have a gravestone over him. And these three things, then, under these headings. First of all, then, the funeral. Well, we are reminded here, before us, I saw the wicked buried. And so reminded before us of a funeral. Remind before, it also reminded to us, is it not, when we go to the New Testament scriptures, who told us by the Lord Jesus of that ungodly rich man in Luke 16. And we read of him, remember the story with Lazarus, the rich man died and was buried. Now you can imagine in there with that man, as would have been, there were many that Solomon himself would have seen. And we were seen ourselves from time to time. The rich man died and was buried. You can imagine the great elaborate arrangements at the funeral. You can imagine in your mind's eye all the pomp and the ceremony that I would have been at such a gathering when this rich man died. You can imagine the great feasting that would be there. You can imagine probably a very impressive coffin. Everything about it spoke of power and riches. But you know what, friends? Even as today, even when that is still going on today, when all that was going on out of sight of these mourners who were rejoicing at the same time in many ways with all the pomp and ceremony, that rich man was already being tormented in the flames of hell. At the very moment, because his soul would have left the body, and same with ourselves, when we think about it in that way. And there is something of that brought before us here in the text. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. A wicked man buried. Maybe like the rich man, as we said in Luke 16. What was true of him and what was true of what Solomon is speaking about here and what is true even in our own day, what may be true of some here as well. There was no preparation for eternity. Eternity had not been considered. The thought of what was to come, it was all about living for the here and now. It was all about the time that he lived in this world and no preparation for the great day that was coming. We see even here a picture of others who, who, who have lived and they seem to have been living a life of oppressing others. What is spoken at that time when one man ruleth over another to his own hurt in verse 9. There's this whole idea of maybe getting rich at the expense of others, maybe getting on at the expense of others. But whoever, there is still a funeral. And they are still being buried. And friends, we are all going to the grave. Every one of us here will ultimately be in the grave in one way or another. And the day will come, whether we're Christians or not, for everyone. And indeed, may not be too far away from some of, for some of us already. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with age either. When there will be a funeral service. When there will be a funeral service, maybe in this very building for you. And then your mortal remains carried out in a coffin. 
laid in the ground, whether across the road there in Sandwick or down in Agonish or in Greth or Barbas or wherever. That's the end. That's the funeral. That's how it will be. We have to realize this. What will happen at your funeral? Oh, people will probably, if not from the pulpit, certainly in walking around. People will speak well of you. They will say many good things about you. And what lovely messages there'll be on the little cards that come through the post. And what a beautiful, probably, reeds will be on your coffin. And what a coffin it'll be, impressive maybe. Not a penny spared. And you'll be gone. You'll be in the ground, taken to the ground, taken to be buried, lying there, dead. Too late then. And very likely, sadly, as often happens, what you've left behind, what you've amassed in this world, others then will be bickering over it. And maybe what you should have been given and have been given to the Lord's cause, and now it's left to be squandered by others even. But whatever, whatever people say, however impressing your funeral, what good friend is that will do you when you're lying in that coffin? And when ultimately you'll then be under six foot of earth in the ground? What good then what people think of you? What good then what people say about you? When your soul has departed days before your funeral? And here we are now on the first day, first day of another year on life's journey for each and every one of us. This is what is set out for us. You may well see the end of this year and many other years, but you may not. You may not, friend. But to remember whenever it is appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. It may be true of you that you weren't such a bad person in the eyes of those around you. Maybe you were moral and upright. Maybe it can be said of you that you had lived a decent life. Or maybe not. It doesn't matter. Because it'll be too late then. Whatever. This man of our text here seems to have been of some importance as well. Look what he says. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. They had come and gone to the What happens here? They had come and gone to the place of the holy. They seemed to be a, maybe even a church attender, going to the synagogue or whatever, going to the temple, going to the church, come and gone from the least. And what happens? Well, we'll read that one on the text and you'll see there's this funeral going to the place of the holy. Look at the back end of verse 10. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. What's the picture here? They've come. They've lived, they've died, they've gone, they're forgotten. What a picture of life that is. Who would have imagined it? But oh, it was such a wonderful funeral. He was also so much part of society. He lived life to the full. He was seen so much around. And then he's forgotten. My friends, is that not familiar? To ourselves. 
whatever will be true of us, whatever is set out for us, whatever people say about us, even at our funeral, the reality is that we'll soon be forgotten. Of course, our nearest and dearest will remember us longer than others, maybe till the day they die themselves. But is it not true, friends, how often we go ourselves to a funeral and we feel the solemnity of it, maybe? And maybe sometimes, although not so much know the stillness and the calmness of it, and you think maybe about certain things to do with yourself. But within a few days, the person whose funeral you attended, they're hardly now on your mind. Isn't that true how often, how quickly we forget? Great funerals, lovely funerals, and some of we do, whoever it is, when the Lord's people or whatever, sometimes we, we are taken up with it and we can say that it was good to be there, that we felt the presence of the Lord. But even for those soon, it'd be forgotten how much more. What's the point then of somebody who was not trusting in Christ having this great funeral, much said about them, and that is it. And all the nice things said about you at your funeral, friend, it won't change a single thing of what you were really like before you died. Ministers and those maybe who pray at your funeral can be gushing in your praise. But friend, what good is that? When they are gushing in the praise at your funeral, if at that very moment your soul is suffering the agony of hellfire forever. Forever in a lost eternity. That's what matters. Oh, so many nowadays seem to be according to what is said at funerals, as if everybody has a right to heaven. Everybody has a right to be with Christ. Whether they died in faith or not, it's as if hell will soon be empty. We don't need to worry about it. Everybody's going to heaven. How often that is the case. But my dear friend here, we brought before us on the reality. And I saw the wicked buried. And the wicked will not go to heaven. Of course, we cannot say for sure about anyone. But Scripture says, by their fruits, you shall know them. And I think, friends, at funerals and elsewhere sometimes, and some occasions, it's far better to leave it there. We don't know, but the Lord knows. But yet, we cannot ignore the fruits that we see or not in people's lives. Oh, that you would tonight, friend, here, you who are still without Christ, beginning of another new year, unsaved sinner, think about how death finds you as you're laid in that coffin. That cannot change your spiritual situation. Your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ is fixed before your funeral. doesn't matter what people say about you. That's when you have to make your peace with God. That cannot change, not even throughout the endless ages of eternity. As the tree falls, so shall it lie. How are people going to describe you at your funeral? 
Will it be as the description we have here? I pray not. Oh, I know you would like to think that you'll be thought highly of. But have you given anyone a reason in your life to believe that you love the Lord and living accordingly? Here was a man and Solomon had no question saying, the wicked. I saw the wicked buried. Fearful thought, isn't it? But what if it was you who was buried tonight, tomorrow, or next week? Here then is a funeral. But then we can secondly consider this man in particular who was buried. Well, Solomon, as I said, gives a description of him that he was wicked. That word is translated elsewhere in Scripture as ungodly or even guilty. And all that applies because the wicked are those who are ungodly, who don't have the Lord. And because of that, they are guilty. And look here in the interesting words that we have before. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Now, there are different views, and you may, some of you may know this, you can look for yourselves, different views of what this means, who had come and gone from the place of the holy. But I would suggest to you tonight that we can apply this particularly this evening in this way, that here you are tonight in the place of the holy. Here you are in one sense, in the uh, holy place in the sense this way, that it's the house of God. And here you are tonight, to some degree, all of us, by being gathered here, we are in some way or other, uh, to some degree, we are here as worshippers of God. We are engaged with those who are truly worshipping, even if you are not yourself a true worshipper. But here is the holy place. You've come here, and you'll go from here, from this place. And you might have been doing so for many, many years. And it looks like here, here is the whole picture that we have here, I believe, who have come and gone from the place of the holy, and then they were forgotten. You see, coming to the place here doesn't make them holy. It doesn't make them Christians. It doesn't make you or I Christians by coming to God's house. Or it's where we should be. But it doesn't make us what we ought to be. Many years have some of you here been coming to God's house. Many a year, some of you. And sadly, maybe for some, that's where the hope of heaven lies, in attending the means of grace. Is that true for yourself? And never having put your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior. Oh, my dear friend here, dear sinner, tonight, before it is too late, realize that if you carry on as you are, however much it may seem that you attend church, however much you mix with God's people, however much you may have them in your home, what was said of this man will be what will said of you, not maybe by man, but by God at the end of the day, wicked, guilty, ungodly. And you know what that means. May well not be, as we said earlier, what will be said of you by those who bury you. But there is one who knows your heart. 
And friends, while you and I can delude and even, yes, fool people around us, we cannot fool God. Ultimately, we have to stand before him, the Lord Jesus as the, the judge of all the earth. And if you are for all your religiosity tonight, whether you're here or listening in this evening, what you are at heart is what this man was, wicked and godly, therefore guilty. Guilty before a holy God. And you know what that means, friends. Guilty before God. There is but one place then for such people who die in that way, who are buried in that way. They're cast into a lost eternity. Guilty before God. Oh, yes, I know that we don't hear so much now at funerals, I said earlier. You all know what this is like. And we need to be watch ourselves, those of us who take funeral services, to be careful about these things also. Not to give people a false hope. It's not a time, it's not a time I don't believe at funerals where you where you lambast the people or anything like that. It is a time to give comfort to those who are left, of course. That's the main thing. But at the same time, let us not, friends, give anybody false hope. The Lord knows people's hearts, and the Lord knows people themselves. How easy it is for us to say nice things, which make you quite honestly cringe sometimes when you hear them. You've heard you say, I'm sure I've told this before, but anyway, it's just worth repeating. In Sky, there was a, a man who wasn't a very good man in any way, gave his family a terrible time. And uh, he passed away. And when the funeral day came in the church, what wonderful things were said from the pulpit and in prayer about him. And as after funeral service, as people were leaving, two sisters, two daughters, one was heard saying to the other, remembering the kind of life they had lived under him, whoever they buried today here, it wasn't our dad. It wasn't our dad. Friends, we all don't want to offend anyone at funerals, at death. But let's be realistic about it. And look here at verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set not to do evil. You see the picture here. Because God, oh, somebody sins, well, nothing happened. It doesn't matter, I can carry on sinning. And it doesn't matter what happens now. That the Lord has not dealt. People are saying, oh, well, if you sin, God will deal with you. And because it hasn't happened suddenly, as we have it here, speedily, then it must be all right. Oh, my friends, let's not fool ourselves there either. Let us not imagine that just because we got off from sin, sinful life yesterday, it'll be same tomorrow. God will not be mocked in these things, friends. I hope this is not a description of anyone here tonight. You've been spared despite your sinful life. Here you are still on mercy's ground. So you think I'm all right? I don't need to worry. I'll deal with these things some other time. God has not dealt with me 
for my son or my friend, so far he hasn't. But he will. He will. You can be assured of that. And the moment that your death comes and your soul leaves your body, torn apart. I, be, you know, I believe, friends, more and more as I go on, I believe that though we unseen by human eyes, that the soul headed for hell in that moment of death, as it were, is reluctant to leave the body. It's like a tearing apart, a reluctant tearing apart that very moment of death, realizing what's ahead, the fearful thought of it all. But friend, are you ready tonight to face death? Are you someone tonight? Well, if I die and I'm laid in a coffin, I'm laid in the ground, I am ready for it. I have prepared. I have put my faith and trust in Christ. Or is God still saying, wicked, ungodly, guilty? And God who knows every thought that you've ever had and every single action that was ever used and noted every single sin that you've ever committed. How does he see you now? United to Christ. Does Christ plead for you? Does he intercede for you? That's your only hope, my friend. But you know what? He will not begin to do so after, as it were, you're laid in your coffin. It has to be now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Oh, my friend, what a day that'll be for you. Hearing all that you've ever heard down through the years, you young people, these things that you've been taught in your home by parents who love you. What a day that is going to be for you. Standing before a holy God, his eyes, as it were, boring into your very soul, knowing every single thing about you and know Christ to intercede for you. And I ask you, does this text describe me tonight? Wicked, ungodly, guilty. This man whose funeral is described here. And then thirdly, what would be written on this man's graveyard, gravestone? What would be written on this man's gravestone? I should ask, what would be written on your gravestone? Well, there'll be some things that are common to all. Yours and mine. The year of our birth will be there. More importantly, the day of our death. And maybe those you leave behind will want to write a few nice things about you. And there might even be, across the bottom of the stone or somewhere, a nice so-called appropriate text. Sadly, far too often, these texts are there, you see them in the graveyard, and you think, what does that got to do with the person who's died. It's if I can say, speaking of reverence, like a good luck charm. Oh, but there's a text on the stone. She had a lovely text put there by her sons and daughters. What will be written, friend, on your gravestone? 
and all that lovely writing and all these nice comments and all that history about the person. And at the same time, God will have already written with an unseen finger against your name, Ichabod. Depart from me. Separate from God. Cast into a lost eternity. That's what God is saying. And your name is not written in the book of life. Oh, my friend. How is it going to be with you? Are you one who's going to die hopeless, godless, Christless? Are you going to be there in that lost eternity? Is that what is going to be your end? Whatever is on your gravestone? Oh, yeah, Wes, it certainly can say, this was a man who never missed church. And here was this woman, she was lovely and kind and gentle. And here was this young teenager who was so obedient to their parents. And God is writing vanity. Vanity of vanities. And here in this world, when there will be some uh, beautiful and clear writing somewhere, maybe etched in gold writing, Lovely words, with the finger of man, as it were, and at the same time, as I said, in God's writing, vanity, wicked, unbeliever. And there can only then be, whatever that stone says, there can only be one outcome. Depart from me, he cursed. Why? Why? Was it not because was it because they didn't attend church? Was it because they weren't nice people? Was it because they weren't obedient young people? No. But because they didn't have Christ in their souls. Because Christ wasn't loved by them with all their hearts and soul and mind and strength. My friend, is that you tonight? Oh, well, I like church. Oh, yes, I, I don't mind the Bible. And yes, it's quite interesting, these things. This man who was in the place of the holy, visiting it, probably could be said of him. You see, what does it say? What does God say about you? Such matters we have before us here. Here, look at the end of verse 13. There sums it up. Because he feareth not before God. The fear of God, the beginning of wisdom. That fear, not a servile fear, but a holy fear of worship and adoration. That's what, make, what is true of every Christian. Do you have that fear? Or is this all just an outward form with you? Then there are bodies crumbling into the dust in the cemetery across the road there and everywhere, Christians and unbelievers alike. But for some, their souls are already, in a way we cannot fully understand, rejoicing in the presence of the Savior, some known and loved by us who have gone before us. But not all. There are others. And you can hardly bear to think of what their situation is even now. 
souls already suffering eternal damnation in hell and will do so forever and ever and ever and ever. My friend, when the time comes for you to die, if the finger of God was to write your epitaph on your headstone, what do you think the Lord would write? What would be his description of you here this evening? Oh, I know what you would like him to write. But friend, be honest about these things. Don't put off for another day at the beginning of another year for another while. What do you think he would write? See, friend, death will not wait for your repentance. Now is the accepted time. Spoke this morning, I think I mentioned, beginning of the year, we try and think of when we're converted, some of us. Wouldn't it be good again to remind you if this was the day that you could mark about now, that you came to know the Lord, the Spirit of God applying the word to your needy soul. Oh, you say, is that possible? I know what you're saying tonight, you're saying is true of me. Much of what you're saying is true of me. I can see myself in the picture that we have here in Scripture that the Lord is bringing before me. I can see myself in these things. Is it possible that I could be saved? Yes, friend, absolutely. You are surrounded in church here tonight, some of you, right in the pew in front of you, behind you, beside you. You are surrounded by people in the church tonight who can verify that truth, that God saves. And he saves even the chief of sinners. It is not too late. It is not too, you are not too far gone in one sense, at least. So I say to you, don't be someone who when they bury and there'll be nothing but good words on your headstone. And at the same time, God having cast you into a lost eternity. Isn't that vanity of vanities, dear friend? One thing about death, it puts us all in our place. It puts us all in our place. But the question is, where will that be for you and I? Yes, friends, there'll be a funeral of someone, one of us here, buried. And there'll be a gravestone with writing on it. Will that writing on that stone, will it correspond with, as it were, the writing in heaven? What man, what your loved ones have said about you, and what God has declared of you. What is here is not always trivial and unimportant, but it's nothing compared what is necessary for what God says about you. Do you have that assurance tonight? 
can I have that assurance tonight? Yes, you can. And I want to encourage those of you here who are so faithful at the means of grace, who come week to week here and elsewhere, maybe. Make your calling and election sure that it will not be said of you, I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. May it not be true of you that what could be written was this man's life, this woman's life, this boy's life, this girl's life, vanity of vanities. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, help us now to realize our own need to make our calling and election sure, or that none of us would take for granted in the pure or the pulpit, except we know for sure that Christ is our Savior. What a fearful thought it is that even in this very gathering, that these things that we have considered tonight could be said of them. Lord, we pray that by thy spirit that thou would work, and yes, even awaken the dead in our midst, so that they would have a new song in their mouths and that new needed relationship with God in Christ, in whose name we ask it. Amen.